Welcome to the Banyan Edge Podcast. Here's your host, Charles Sizemore. Welcome to the Banyan Edge Podcast, America's number one source for safer, smarter, more profitable investing, where we aim to bring you the very best ideas and the very best minds in the business, completely filter-free. I am your host, Charles Sizemore. And this week, we are picking up where we left off last week. So last week, we touched on the subject of short selling, and we're going to continue that theme because it is all Patrick Mahomes' fault. Mm-hmm. I like the guy. He's a fellow Texas boy. I was rooting for him, actually. I was very happy to see him, you know, tough it out, with, you know, injured ankle and everything. Get into that game, you know, played like a hero and, uh, you know, got his team, you know, over the line there and, and the Chiefs won. However, because of the Super Bowl indicator, we know that when the AFC wins, it's usually it usually portends bad things for the market. Now we were talking about this offline, and like you had some data that actually supported this theory. Yes. Yeah, so if you think back to the history, the NFL began in the 1930s, and it began in the Rust Belt. You didn't have airplanes traveling all over the country, so the teams had to be within you know a couple hour bus ride. So you had teams in Green Bay. Chicago, Pittsburgh, these were industrial hubs, and the owners made their money in industry. So the 1960s comes along and the AFL gets started. This is new money. They put their teams in Boston, Houston, San Francisco, where the tech money was. We now have two leagues, two conferences, old money versus new money, industry, new old America versus tech oil, new America. The indicator worked because you had, for example, if Green Bay's winning, that means they got fans in the seats, buying tickets, buying merchandise. The team has money. They can buy good players. When the economy is weak, the industrial economy is weak, they can't get fans in the seats. They're not getting the money. They can't sign. They can't compete with the other league. So now we have a reason for it to work in the old days. Then along came Fox, that new network, not too long ago. Big money contract to the NFL. The NFL said, wait, this isn't fair. We need to give each team a little part of that money. So they equally share revenue now. And that revenue share, basically socialism for rich guys, has created a league where on any given Sunday, any team can win. But we no longer have the economic indicator that the Super Bowl indicator used to be. So there you go. It worked, but socialism killed it. Socialism killed our football indicator. (laughs) And all this time, I thought this was just fun with numbers. I didn't know there was an actual economic rationale that uh, behind it. That's a headline you won't see on CNBC, but uh, it's also why I like to be friends with Mike Carr. His his understanding of market history and the nuances like that are, are super interesting. Yeah, Indeed. He is a walking encyclopedia of market history. Good stuff. And socialism. And socialism. And and class struggle, apparently. Class Mm -hmm. struggle within the ranks of multimillionaire or billionaire football team owners. So so, so there you go. Millionaires have feelings, too. That's what Steve Cohen's wife said during that um, investigation into him, which I thought was the funniest line of all time. On to more serious topics. Uh, We are still talking about short selling, by the way. And Mike, we'll start with you. You've been very insistent over the last several weeks, really this whole year to date, that this was a year where we were likely to see a lot of dead cat, a lot of dead cat bounces. We're likely to see some bear market rallies. 
And one of the, the things you pointed out in, in Banyan Edge, actually, your last article, I thought was really good. And I'm actually going to put up um, a chart now. You, you showed that uh, there's a divergence forming here between you know, the direction the market's going. The market's been going higher. It's actually up about 14% since, uh, since October. It's up uh, between 6 and 7% year to date. But earnings expectations are coming down. So walk me through that. That you, you would normally expect earnings expectations to rise when the market's rising. That's how that's supposed to go. Yeah. So inflation, which you and I feel at the grocery store, is affecting companies too. And it's in accounting, to get a little technical, you have on the income statement, you have revenue at the top, cost of goods sold, other costs, and income. Cost of goods sold is rising faster than revenue. That means companies are making less money. Analysts are re readjusting their models and lowering earnings estimates. In a recession, earnings fall 20 to 40%. So right now, analysts are expecting earnings per share in the S&P 500 of about 225, and they're bringing that down slowly. Um, they need to get it to about 180. So it's going to take a lot of cuts to get there. And that's what we're seeing in that chart is just the trickle lower because analysts don't want to crash the market, but they want to try to get closer to reality. Well, and it's Individual interesting, the same analysts that seem the to believe there is a 100% possibility we'll have a recession this year also seem to think that earnings are going to rise 5 10% or more. Yeah, That's not consistent with the historical experience, to say the least. That is <laughs> not what we would expect to see. So I, I think, yeah, the story you're telling here is as you know, these earnings expectations come down, then market prices should, should, should react. That's and it looks like we may be seeing that the stocks are are down over the last couple of trading days. Now, Adam, I know you're you know a big theme for you. And actually, before I go any further, Adam, you have a big presentation tomorrow at, on the Big Short. And for everybody listening here, uh, this is something you want to do. I, I I talk to Adam daily. I actually already know what the Big Short is, and I'm still going to watch it because I want to know. I, I want to get all the details about how it will play out here. So the link is nextbigshort2023.com. That's all one word, no spaces, no dashes, anything like that. nextbigshort2023.com. Now, on that theme, Adam, you've, you've said yourself, you're normally a bullish guy. Your orientation is normally towards, you know, looking for that next bull market, looking for that next, that next thing, that, that, uh, that next trend to ride higher. But you do see the potential for uh, some pain ahead. You do, see, you do see potential to make money on the short side. And you had a couple of reasons for that. Yeah. So I've been saying, first of all, I'm a cautious optimist. I've made about 80% of my money on the long, long bullish side of the market, but I'm a realist. And when I see a situation that's unjust and unsustainable, I am willing to play the short side. And really my presentation, there's one company that is grossly overvalued, I have one trade that's easy to make, that's a limited amount of risk, and I think that it could return as much as 20 times uh, someone's original investment if they make it soon, uh, because I really think that there is another shoe to drop. Um, so I've been saying for quite a while, I said this as early as last August, when, when stocks were rallying from June to August in 2022, I said that you know th this is not the start of a new bull market. We're going to see lower for longer. And um, a lot of the reason I think that we're going to see a lower for longer bear market is kind of along the lines of what Mike's already said is that this optimism over earnings. If you look back, well, first of all, the yield curve has inverted. 
the yield curve inverting has a 100% track record of forecasting recessions. And eight of the nine last uh, most recent recessions, stocks have bottomed during the recession, not before the recession. The one time it didn't bottom during the recession was during the 2002 uh, market bottom where the recession had already passed. Um, so really to assume that stocks will bottom you know, ahead of a recession uh, as of October of 2022, I think is unrealistic. Um, the other thing, if you look at historical bear markets, it, they typically bottom when the price to earnings ratio of the S&P 500 is between nine times and 14 times earnings. And that's based on the peak earnings. So last year in 2022, the S&P made about $200 per share of earnings on the aggregate level. And Mike just walked us through how, you know, the estimates were the at first that it was going to grow to 225 this year. And now everybody's walking those back. And it's more likely if we get a recession that we'll see a contraction in those earnings. So we'll see less than $200. Uh, but nonetheless, if you use that nine times to 14 times earning range, you're looking at the S&P 500 falling from anywhere from uh, 2,800 to 1,800. And that's really um, where the, the target range is. Right in the middle of that range is the March uh, 2020 uh, low. So basically, uh, as I see it, we have anywhere from 32% to 44% further to fall uh, before this bear market actually sees a bottom. So I'm not telling everybody to go out and short the entire market. Uh, I've just found one company that looks uh, weak as anything because of its uh, dependence on this uh, bull market story where just people were willing to pay massive price to earnings ratios, and that's going to crumble this year. So it's one trade. It's one easy short to make in a risk-limited way, and uh, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. And this, you know, Mike, I'm going to come back to you because this is something you've pointed out several times. During a bear market, during a real bear market, you can have counter trends that last for a while, that rip higher. So a lot of investors have come to believe that the, the bear market that we've been in that really started uh, you know, January of last year, when the market's ripped higher by 14, 15% since October, okay, it's over. It's, it's safe to get back in now, like that the pain is behind us. But as we saw in, in the last, you know, the last tech bear market that won from, from 2000 to 2002, we had several bear market rallies that ended up fizzling, one of which saw the market go up by what, about 40%? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, <laughs> we're nowhere near that and, and then more pain followed it. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, in 2020, or I'm sorry, in 2000, April 2000, the NASDAQ 100 peaked. It fell. And then that summer rallied 40%. And everyone thought the bear market was over, but they were wrong. That was driven by the idea that the Fed was going to pause. And I think we're hearing that talk now. The Fed did pause then, but the NASDAQ 100 fell 80% after rallying 40%. So huge downside risk. And by the time it bottomed, fundamentals were about where they belong to Adam's point that stocks bottom when PEs are low and we're not there yet. No, and like today's, you know, comparing that, that market 20 years ago to today's market, what started that bear market was not, you know, the collapse of the financial system like 2008. It was not a pandemic like 2020. It was primarily unrealistic valuation. Stocks got unreasonably expensive. Expectations for the future were not ever going to be achieved. It was absurd. 
And we've seen very similar things happening today, which led Adam to, to his great short, his big short here. It's all about expectations and what today's valuations say about those expectations and whether or not they're reasonable. So um, moving on, let's, let's slightly change gears here. Adam, you wrote a piece in Banyan Edge uh, this past Friday that I really enjoyed. I actually really like this because you go into, you kind of pick apart common misconceptions about shorting. You know, there is this idea that short sellers are just kind of, you know, scheming almost villain-like figures. And it's actually really not true at all. It really, a lot of the villains, to the extent we can really identify villains, a lot of the villains are actually the people selling, uh, you know, basically promising returns, like people that are that are on the long side. And you gave an example um, back from uh, actually the dot, not the dot com, the, uh, the 2008 meltdown, where these mortgage derivatives that they knew were garbage, they were packaging them up and selling them like a charlatan here. And they ended up in pretty well every grandma's portfolio. People that had no idea that the risk, you know, that this risk was being taken on their behalf. They thought they were, you know, they thought their advisors, they thought the institutions that were supporting them were buying safe investments. And it turned out they were about as far from safe as you can get. Now, Adam, you had pointed out that you saw some parallels with stock indexes today. Yeah, I just see, uh, well, first of all, there's two points here. You know, short sellers kind of get a bad rap. Um, there's something that feels weird to most bullish investors that are in it for the long run. That something feels weird about betting against the company and making money as the shares of that company fall lower, lower, and lower in price. Um, that said, I mean, I don't think the short sellers are the evil ones out there. In, in 2007, we had the mortgage, uh, you know, the property, U.S. property mortgage crisis, CDO crisis, and uh, a lot of ma people made big money shorting those. And uh, it was made into a film, The Big Short, after the Michael Lewis uh, book. And one of my favorite actors, Steve Carell, played a gentleman named Steve Eisman. And he was one, one of the ones that didn't really know much about these CDOs before he was invited to a meeting with the guy that put these CDOs together. And after he looked at what was actually in these CDs, CDOs, these subprime mortgages that were packaged um, that were risky. And then Moody's put a, a safe label on them, basically. And then that allowed, uh, you know, endowments and pension funds to put those CDOs into what I call grandma's, you know, retirement portfolio. But uh, Steve Eisman, the real life um, character who's played by Steve Carell in the movie, he had this one meeting and he saw these for what they were. He called them dog crap and he left the meeting saying, I'm going to short these because th this is basically fraudulent. This is not this is not what they not, not what they appear to be. So, you know, certainly there was a lot of pain for quote unquote grandma's 401k during 2008, but it really paved the way for financial reform, the Dodd-Frank Act, and our, our system, our financial banking system is so much safer now because there were people that were willing to short um, these piles of dog crap. And so really, I think that, you know, short sellers serve a, an important role. And the, and the correlation there, the, 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 um, you know, the similarity there is that the stock that I'm recommending the folks short was added to the S&P 500 two years ago, despite the fact that its valuations were astronomically high. And the S&P so, 500, the index that every widow and orphan has, you know, when they have stock exposure, it's always tied to the S&P 500. 
more than $7 trillion is tied to the S&P 500. When people quote what the market is doing, they're typically quoting the S&P 500. If you own any bit of a stock fund in your retirement account, your IRA, um, your, you know, even a target date fund, you probably have exposure to the S&P 500. And that means you have exposure to this stock that was added to the index, despite the fact that last year it traded, uh, sorry, in 2021, it traded at a price to earnings ratio of 1,103. Um, so folks just don't realize that that's in their portfolio. And they've been told the story about this particular stock um, that is really priced to perfection. And I think it's going to crash pretty hard this year. So kind of expanding on this theme, though. So, you know, the short seller almost is, you know, the noble participant here, you know, the noble market participant, the, the one that kind of brings sense to the madness. One of the things they, they do is they expose fraud. And yeah, I'll give, it, give a historical example. Jim Chanos, no one really knew who the guy was uh, before he uncovered, uncovered the, the Enron scandal. He was a, a relatively unknown player, and he was one of the first to bet big uh, against Enron, pointing out that there's something that doesn't add up with their books. This is, this is a mess. You know, this, 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 there is fraud here. And for people that actually listen to him, they managed to dodge that bullet. So um, it's not that he was some, you know, sinister Machiavellian player here, you know, betting against, you know, I mean, if you took his advice, you would have actually been saved pain. So it's, it's, they're <laughs> far from being a villain. They're actually the good guy in the story. And I'll just interject real quickly that Jim Chanos is actually short the stock that I'm uh, recommending folks get short as well. So right. a little bit of poetic uh, justice potentially coming around. That's good to know. <laughs> His track record's pretty good on that. So that, that is, is good to know. So other let's, let's, let's talk more. Like, like what are some other things that short sellers bring to the table? Like they expose fraud, but what else do they do? Well, they just give investors something to do during a bear market. I mean, in a bear market, you can either hold on for dear life and hope that things turn around quickly. You can buy um, companies at discounted prices if you have a long enough time horizon. But really to recycle your capital and to make uh, positive gains, double and even triple digit gains during a bear market, you have to either look at alternative assets, anything other than stocks and bonds, or you have to consider playing the short side of the market. And a lot of, I, I get it, you know, a lot of regular retail individual investors don't like to play the short side of the market, mainly because they've been told that short selling is dangerous. And that's true if um, it can be true if you sell short the shares. Um, but if you, you know, Mike and I are both uh, options traders, and there are uh, some options trades that you can make that limit your risk to a very uh, finite amount. And the upside can be many multiples of the risk that you take. And that's really the, you know, the, the way that I would recommend betting against a company. Yeah, we touched on that last week, and that was good. I, I think the words you used were it's a risk-controlled way to, to, to play the short side. I think that's an important distinction to make because short selling can be risky, but it, it all depends on how you do it. And if you do it correctly, if you use the right instruments, if you use put options, for example, then it's you can contain your risk and you live to trade another day. So uh, kind of one last point I'll make on that is... Short sellers can be that voice of reason in the room, apart from pointing out fraud, a point from just taking the other side of the trade, you know, just taking the other side of the trade of, you know, if you're a buyer, there has to be someone to sell, right? Otherwise, there's no market. You have to have buyers and sellers. So they play a role there. But beyond that, they just, they're that voice of reason. When things get crazy, when prices no longer make sense, 
a short seller can come to the table. They can lay out all the reasons why you know this is this no longer makes sense. It's time to bet the other way. So they play a really important role in basically making the market function correctly and bringing prices back to normal. On that note, I do want to mention one last thing before we sign off. Um, Adam's event is tomorrow. Uh, the website to sign up for that is nextbigshort2023.com. Again, that's nextbigshort2023.com. Adam is going to reveal what that trade is, and I will be there. I hope to see you there as well. Until next week, signing off. <laughs>